the you kind of like this guy, but when you can't decide between the filet o fish or the Big Mac, and he says, I'll get you both. Thank you. You definitely <laughs> like this guy meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks. Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Hey everybody, it's Jim and Aaron back with another commission podcast. Uh, this one is the 2008 film The Dark Knight. It uh, has an interesting way that it came about being commissioned. So, um, a couple years back during I think Walking Dead season, I put out a call that I wanted some people to play Destiny with because I needed I didn't have any any friends on PlayStation, and you need six people to get through a raid. And I got hundreds of responses. Over the years, people have come and gone, but there's been, you know, a dozen or so people that I play with still regularly, and half of them are from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And half f- of them? Yeah, they're How like does a, that happen? They're like they're a buddies. Gr- they're like a group of friends that have like either grown up together or some of them have found each other online and they're in the same geographic area and p- that's close enough to Cincinnati that the connections are good. Uh, and they were at a cook summer cookout last year, and they were talking about you know playing with me and and bald move and whatnot. And they decided to commission a podcast, and this is the right. one. So <laughs> I'm going it it um uh it's 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 Hobbs Cluster F. She's geeky, Tony Death, Jorma Gunn, and Meat Plow. Uh, they they jointly wrote this statement. This commission is a result of a group of Aaron's gaming buddies deciding to throw money in a bucket to support Bald Move. A number of us recently got together at a party, thought it would be fun. We appreciate all the work that goes in your craft, and many of us are listeners that rely on great podcasts to make our work days more tolerable. Uh, of course, there's a challenge in trying to get any kind of group to agree on anything. So much debate was had to determine the best movie pick. Lots of titles came up, and lucky for you, we're not going to force you to watch Xanadu or Rappin' Hood, which did have some Rappin support. Hood? Yeah, apparently. Wow. Uh, everyone has their own favorite movies that they would have. Pr- I think Robin Hood is just the two minutes of Mel Brooks' Robin Hood rapping sequence played over and over <laughs> again for three hours. Right. Um, everyone has their own favorite movies that they'd probably wanted, but we settled on The Dark Knight, the Christopher Nolan Batman film. We feel it's a great, entertaining movie, but also worthy of a critical eye and will hopefully make a good podcast. She is Geeky said, Ron, damn it, we fixed the vote. Uh, they, who fixed a vote? I know Tony and I voted for a house of a thousand corpses. Oh, okay, a little uh, Rob Zombie stuff there. Yeah, cluster descended and said I voted for Battlefield Earth. Okay, uh, or Baby Geniuses. Uh, <laughs> oh, Tony God. Tony said he wants me to tell you to stop pussing out and play Destiny. Me? Yep. Oh, and Hobbs, Destiny's old hat at this point. No, Destiny no. Two's coming out this fall. Just no. saying. This fall. This fall. It falls a long way away. It is. I, that's, I, it's I'm, almost a full year. I'm, I'm jonesing. I'm like an addict without a supply. <laughs> and Hobbs says, shout out to my pop pop, Walter V. Person, RIP. Ajorma sent in a little bit of a long form of feedback. I'll read that here. Through no scientific study of my own, I believe general consensus is that The Dark Knight is the best of the Bale Batman movies. Though it is a quote-unquote comic movie, it still takes on somewhat heavy topics. Is it just the best of the Bale Batman I think it might be the best of the Batman, I mean, and maybe 
the best superhero movie I've ever seen. I mean, some people like to throw in the animated series, and like, there's been some really uh-huh. good ones of that, like Masked Phantasm, and I think there was a Red Mask, and I haven't seen the the, the take on the Killing Joke, but. It might be the best Batman of all time. Anyway, continuing, in comparison to many other action movies, I think this cast really delivers the goods. Sadly, the only detractor could be the Bale Batman voice, <laughs> which leads to a diminished scene on occasion. For instance, at the end when Batman is interacting with Denton Gordon, if Bale could have delivered that scene in Bruce Wayne's voice, which, of course, is Dale's natural, Bale's natural voice minus his accent... It would be funny if he just went, you know, just total natural. Just uh-huh. For some reason, Bat, you know, uh, Alfred's rubbed off on him. Yep. Uh, I feel it would be slightly more impacting the gravelly grunts of a Batman. Your take would be appreciated. After the death of Heath Ledger and all the posthumous praise, I try to withdraw some respect for the performance because I can be a bit of a pop culture screwed sometimes. But goddamn if he didn't bring it in a serious way in this movie. This Joker is simply amazing. He can be over the top and subtle in as many breaths. Do I look like a guy with a plan? I can't argue with that. Last thought, what happened to Aaron Eckert? He seemed like he was a Hollywood rising star at the time, and I would not have been seen nearly much of him as I expected. The Curse of I, Frankenstein? I don't know. He and his mustache moved on to Sully and did all right. It's the, it's the rare Eckert, Eckert mustache. I, did he? I don't even remember if he had a stash in that. Probably. He, you, get, you can't... I, it's a, it's, it was half a stash. The problem One is he, side of it was completely burnt <laughs> off. The other side. <laughs> Sully managed to save half his mustache. <laughs> right. The real the real hero of the Hudson. Uh yeah, I just don't think you can go like Curse of Frankenstein or the Frankenstein and Battle of LA and yeah. Olympus is Fall. He fell into the London Gerard Butler fall. hole, the same hole that Gerard Butler himself fell in. Yeah, like Gerard Butler kicked Aaron Eckert and his career his own career <laughs> down the Spartan well, and that was it. Uh, anyway, shout out to all the Destiny community members. They're also Bald Move fans. Uh, thank you. I think we can handle. I think we can cover all that. Let's let's Batman begin. I'm a comic book fan. Um, I'm a Marvel comic book fan. The only the only DC comic that I really pay close attention to throughout my childhood and adulthood is Batman because Batman is undeniably cool. There's okay. something about yeah. him. That the fact that he, I mean, there's lots of different angles. The fact that there's like an escapist fantasy to it because he's a billionaire that's decided to use his powers for good. The fact that he doesn't have superpowers and yet he can hold stand toe to toe because of his keenly honed intellect and body uh, against the likes of Superman. Um, the fact that he's got you know some like really gothic and morally com- complex storylines. He's got the best probably list of villains. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's got the coolest gadgets and toys. Mm-hmm. He's one of the more consistently adapted uh, people. I mean, like you know, short of the Joel Schumacher's and Adam West versions, <laughs> like there's a consistency in the tone of the animated series and the, the various Batman works. That's that's I think admirable. Hmm. Um, but it's been a couple years since I've seen this movie, and watching it again last night, I was blown away by how fucking good it was. It's good. It's a really good movie. It's not I don't even have to qualify it by saying it's a good superhero movie. This movie is the only superhero movie that I'm aware of that got an actor a best best actor award for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Honestly, argument could be made that it should have won an Oscar or at least been nominated. Okay, yeah. I mean, uh, it seemed like a tough year. We went over like some of the we went over the other nominations. This is the Slumdog like, Millionaire year. Yeah. And I just like there's a couple like Milk was this was Milk a better movie I mean maybe it's more I don't know. important I didn't see Milk I didn't see uh, I did see Slumdog which I I mean I it was, certainly wasn't as entertaining of a movie but 
you know, artistic merit, maybe there's something to it. I just look. I'll, I'll tell you one. Curious Kate's a Benjamin Button. Bullshit. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Bullshit. This movie is way better than that movie. So Frost hmm. Nixon, whatever. You know, some that, that was great. Frost that, Nixon good. was good. Milk, yeah, yeah. Reader, I haven't seen it. You know, whatever. But but mm-hmm. there's no way that fucking Curious Case of Benjamin Button was better than than Batman: The Dark Knight. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Number one, um, this movie stands on the shoulders of what came before, Batman Begins, mm-hmm. which was a really good introduction to the Batman mythos. It introduces its greatest, you know, Batman's greatest villain and rival, the Joker. And he's played impeccably by Heath Ledger in his Incredibly. final role. Like, he he got awarded the Academy Award posthumously because he obviously died of a, right. a of an overdose. Yeah, easily, easily the best Joker. Yeah, like I, I have a certain nostalgia for the Jack Nicholson Joker. I yeah. think it's awesome. I, I have little patience for people who want to talk shit about Jack Nicholson's Joker. Right, but come on. I mean, as far as like that's Jack a Nicholson's Joker. This is scary Heath- Joker goes. I mean, Heath Ledger nails it. Yeah. And and there's just no comparison. Heath Ledger's not perving on any young blonde girls. Sure. He his Joker doesn't give a shit about, you know, playing giant jokes on Gotham City or mm-hmm. filling giant balloons full of poison gas and making pe- he just is an agent of chaos. Right. And he devises fiendish moral quandaries to put the heroes through that mm-hmm. I think really really work. I do too. Yeah. Um, now I remember there's 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 a time where I was reading some commentary. It seemed like, um, and this was championed by whoever I can't remember the guy that took over uh, the Robert Ebert Robert e- Roger Ebert site when he died. But there was some talk about like you know Christopher Nolan's not that great of a filmmaker, hmm. and that some of his action sequences are not great, and he flaunts the, the you know laws of cinema that you're not supposed to break as far as keeping things grounded in action. And I remember hmm. reading some of those essays and seeing some of his video blog, blogs on, this, on, on the subject and thinking, like, oh, yeah, he's got a couple good points. But it's been a few years since I've thought about that, and I was kind of looking for these things. There's certainly some things intellectually where there's a couple moments during the biggest set piece where they're transporting Harvey Dent, who's confessed to being Batman. Right. Uh, by the way, spoilers, obviously, going forward. I can't imagine anyone's not seen this movie, but whatever. Yeah, we're nine um, years out. Where you just start thinking, like, could the Joker really plan? Right. Like, it's one thing right. to have a great plan, but the plan that has all these contingencies mm-hmm. that, like, how would he know where the helicopter was going to, which which street it was going to come down? and Yeah. And it kind of stretches your suspension of disbelief, but also they kind of ease you into that. Like the introduction of this movie is the Joker's first heist. And it's kind of, it's, it's really brilliant. And it is. Yeah. And just as you start asking questions about it, you got the answers to it. And it's very tightly. And you started, you, I, I think they do enough to make me, even though intellectually, I'm like, there's no way the Joker could be this good of a planner as crazy as he is. And also some of this stuff, just, you need to be omniscient. Mm-hmm. They do enough groundwork that that kind of fades away. And you just kind of bathe in how awesome the, the shit that's going on. Sure. In front of you is. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have huge problems with the Joker's ability to predict what's going to happen. It also helps that there's real stakes. Like, I feel mm-hmm. for Batman. I feel for Harvey Dent. I feel for Commissioner Gordon. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel for for uh, the assistant attorney, Rachel. I forget her last name in this movie. Yeah, me too. Um, but I... The, even though, you know, we've only spent a few hours with these characters, they all seem real and they all have... 
you know, admirable qualities and they're good people trying to turn around a really bad situation. They have an evil guy working against them. It's it's easy to root for these guys. And that's where, mm-hmm. you know, so many of these superhero movies like Batman versus Superman, a suicide squad, like why am I caring that anything that this stuff is going on? What are the stakes? Sure. Not just yeah. to civilization, to the earth, but to these people <laughs> that are in it. Uh-huh. And often the question, the answer is, I don't know, or who cares? Right, right. Not a problem with this film. No, no, this film does a great job of, of grounding its characters in, in emotionally uh, sympathetic or emotionally empathetic places. Uh, and, and I think, you know, that's not the limit of why this movie is good. This movie also is intellectually ambitious in ways that I don't I don't know that a superhero movie has ever been or has been since, you know? I agree. Explain what you mean by that, because I agree. I just want to see what, what direction you're coming the, from. The, the ideas that this film raises, the questions that it raises about uh, justice and law and, um, you know, specifically, like, vigilante justice, um, I think are super interesting um, and and important questions, you know? It's... It's rare that you see a superhero movie with an, a truly important question that isn't black and white. Like, and attack from multiple angles. Like the, the fact that there's rogue Batman uh-huh. in this movie. And they challenge Batman. Like, why do you get to do this and I don't? Right. Um, those are. Because I'm not wearing hockey pads. <laughs> <laughs> like, pretty good retort. But ultimately, you're. you're you're just dodging. But but that's question. that's exactly like, that comes down to the only reason Batman's not a good idea is because there is no incorruptible, invincible, right, uh, uh always right person that we can trust because if not, it'd be a great idea. Every sure. city should have a Batman. Uh-huh. Um I would vote for that platform, but who is the Batman and Yeah, how do you test for the qualities that would make a good Batman? Uh, that would be that incorruptible person. How do you know he has a code? How do you know he's never going to break that code? If he breaks that right. code, then what? Because how do you know he has all the information? Like, right. th- th- we always talk about perfect information with vigilante justice and right. how you usually get it in movies. But yeah, I-, I think a lot of the questions it asks about, are, you know, our real world society and how we apply justice and law are important and and interesting and and also not answered in this movie i don't i don't think the questions are answered i think the questions are just left for you to think about yeah because you're you're right i mean at the end like it's interesting to see in 2008 this like you know this is literally ripped from the headlines this fact that like lucius fox who's played by you know morgan freeman excellently and i want to talk about a little bit more about morgan freeman and michael Caine and the vital role they have in grounding this piece Uh uh-huh um, but he asked this question, like, you know, he, you've got essentially this, this Escalon type technology that's, it is monitoring everyone's cell phones in real time. And he says like, you know, this is not a power that any one man should have. Yeah. And it's interesting nowadays because that's been something that a lot of people have been talking about. It's like, okay, maybe you're fine with like Bush having this power. Or maybe you're fine with, uh, uh, Barack Obama having these powers, but what mm-hmm. if some, crazy rogue element decides to get to get access to this this office and and now now how do you feel and i feel like there's a lot of americans now that are they're facing that reality we've built these you know what what did what did edward snowden say it was like a tool it was like a turnkey for authoritarianism or a turnkey for tyrants or something i don't know what the soundbite was but we flipped the key whatever we flipped the keys to someone that was very much an unknown quantity to put it mildly and now what right now yeah you got to be asking yourself if you're okay with Batman having this technology, 
uh, and using it and applying it in his work, would you be okay with the Joker having it? Or Race Al Ghul, right? If you want to go slightly less psychotic, or even a guy like Harvey Dent, which I. So much of this movie centers around Harvey Dent, you know, like it's kind of the battle for Harvey Dent's soul in a lot of ways and also the battle for society here. But isn't it interesting because like even Batman thinks Harvey Dent is the man. Right. But when he goes through trauma, he decides to lash out in very dangerous, destructive ways in a way that, you know, Batman, Batman's taken. I mean, that's another kind of duality. It's it's not just Batman and Two-Face, but you've got Joker. Mm-hmm. Who professes to have these childhood traumas, and I don't know what fucked him up, but something did. Something, yeah. But he he lies about it multiple times in this movie, or right. or at least lies about it once. Right, and you know, Batman takes these has taken these these traumas inflicted upon him and turned it into a desire to do good and fix society, whereas Joker yeah. has taken it and turned it into a desire to destroy or expose expose the hypocrisy and, and chaos in society. And the movie kind of asks you, like, you know, which one is right? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe Batman is the way we want the world to be, but the Joker is actually the way the world is. And Batman is just kind of... And, and that's kind of how, you know, a lot of people give the... You know, this, this is certainly the best of the trilogy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people give The Dark Knight Rises shit, but I feel like it's the ultimate come back to that that you know um the, that movie begins with gotham having like eight years of peace and then the league of assassins come back and say that you know no gotham still has to be destroyed just like rome and you know constantinople and all those were before um and you know these the, the, ask these big questions about you know who is right at the end of the day mm-hmm. like is batman just staving off the inevitable you know, what happens when Batman falls? Does does Gotham slide right back into the Dark Ages? No. Um, and, I, you know, I don't, don't even think it really answers those questions. I don't think so. Maybe that's the flaw in the, the end of Dark Knight Rises because at the end, Batman gets a happy ending. But what has he done to... Batman gets a happy ending? Yeah, Batman essentially retires. Batman takes the fall for all of Harvey Dent's misdeeds. No, I'm talking about the, fi- I'm talking about the end of the trilogy. <laughs> oh, oh, Where he okay. fakes his own death and gotcha. he gets away and... You know, uh, but why why do we believe just because the League of Assassins was beat off a second time? Why do we believe that Gotham is essentially a better place? He's essentially right. passed his torch to, I guess, Robin or whatever Joseph okay. Gordon Lovin is. But, you know, he essentially kicks the can down the road, I guess. Okay. But the thesis seems like you do still need a Batman around or, or bad shit's going to happen. I don't know. I think all that stuff is really interesting. And very few superhero films look at the kind of good and evil from that. And very few give you a framework where you have a, a good guy who is brutal and uncompromising and mm-hmm. kind of psychotic in his own way. And willing to push the boundaries of, of ethics. I mean, this, this cell phone thing he's got, this sonar thing he's got. Right. I mean, Lucius is right when he says, this is wrong. Like right. you, you shouldn't be doing this. Right. Uh, which is saying a lot for Lucius because he was into an extra legal extradition of a foreign national from a sovereign country. Right. Like, right. that's as, as legal, illegal as you can get as well. You know, uh, people have different lines that they won't cross. <laughs> Batman's is just a little further than Lucius. Right, uh, right. B- but, you know, he's using this for what we clearly see as good yes. in this film. I mean, he's trying to to... Subdue someone, not kill them, but subdue someone who's causing all this chaos and just killing people left and right. I mean, clearly a bad person. 
who needs to be taken down. But do the ends justify the means? It's one of the questions they're asking. Lucius clearly says no. And I think Batman also says broadly no. The ends don't justify the means. But in this particular case, he's willing to bend that rule. And that's that's a pretty gray line. Well, and that's why this is this this is where the show just goes into f- the fantasy. Because in no universe does Batman destroy this tool that has saved the day. Okay. Like he says it's this one time, but man, look how well it worked out. I'm going to I'm going to I'm just going I'm not going to use it. I'm going to wait until like a Joker level threat uh, uh, appears again and then we'll get it off the shelf. Right. But then right. like the Joker's a sliding scale. Maybe bring it out for Penguin the next time. Then you bring yeah. it out for Calendar Man and then you're bringing it out for <laughs> sure. you know, some dude that's just stealing the rims off of uh, the Toyota in an alley. Yeah. And then what do you do? Like that's the thing. Like in the comic books, Batman gets taken a really interesting, uh, and some of the kind of the what if works of Batman. There's versions of him where he's got like Terminator style Batman robots patrol. Like Gotham is a perfect city where no lawlessness ever occurs, but it's also a totalitarian police state. Right. And like you can see where he could easily slip into that mm-hmm. if he didn't have guys like Alfred and Lucius Fox. Keeping him, you know, kind of, kind of being his moral center, pulling For another sure. force. The streets are one the, uh, gravity pulling him towards, like, you know, this chaos and brutality, and he's got this other, you know, gravitational force that pulls him back into the light. That gives him good advice, and mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to come at high and mighty with a guy who you know diapered your ass, I guess, especially yeah, when he's Michael Caine. So. Um, yeah. It's it, I don't know. It's a it's a very special superhero movie in that regard. I don't I don't think any other superhero movie has tried to show the gray areas between the black and white that that most superheroes are, you know? I mean, most superheroes have supervillains that are fighting and they're always on the side of right. The supervillain is always on the side of wrong and there is no questioning it. Right. Um I mean, you know, we've seen now, I guess, Captain America Civil War, uh-huh. which deals with that somewhat, but not nearly in the nuanced way that Dark Knight does. Right. And it makes me question, like, how the hell you even get this made when you're the Nolans, right? You're Jonathan, you're Christopher, and you've got this script that you've written, this this total just change of tone in Batman. Right. And you take it to the studios and you say, we want to do this ambitious thing that's going to make people think and it's not mm-hmm. traditional in the superhero realm yeah How do the, you get that the, the prestige guy and the memento guy comes up and says i want to i want to do a take on batman yeah i mean if you're dc you say yeah do it go run with it like i think maybe they should do that <laughs> more but uh-huh. um yeah i mean it, def- it definitely paid off because it's the rare film that i mean you know most batman purists love this film Mm-hmm. And it engaged popular audiences, and is also a critical darling. Like very few films can can do that. And it's interesting because yep. this movie came out in two thousand eight, the same year that the first Iron Man came out. And mm. I remember debating, thinking like, "Wow, I think these are the two best comic book movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Which one do I prefer?" And I came down to like, I think Iron Man's more fun. Oh yeah. Um, but Batman is the more serious work. And I think that 10 years, almost 10 years later, like that's even further cemented that Mm -hmm. like Iron Man still is fun and is what it is. But Dark Knight keeps kind of building up in my mind as like, I don't know that there'll ever be, it's this pinnacle, it's, it's, it's this perfect access, access, access point 
of being just stupendously good and at the top of your craft on all level. Because we haven't even talked about the writing on this film that I want to get to. Okay. But, um, but also, like, the the technology was was there. And they picked a particular way to express Batman's technology that is almost a timeless concept. Like, they use yeah. spy technology from the 60s and, like, kind of slightly futuristic, but you can kind of, like, there's nothing that's, like, phaser guns or something like that. Like, this stuff all yeah. looks like it's grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Batman's not wearing a costume so much as he's wearing futuristic cyber armor. Yeah. That happens to be black and have a couple bat logos on it here and there. Right. I mean, he's he's essentially wearing glorified hockey pads. <laughs> like, really? Right. Uh, but that's the part is like I like that I like that part that the the, the tech is kind of cool. There's like this yeah. off the shelf nature of you know when when Morgan Freeman is showing him his new helmet and his new gloves. Mm-hmm. Like that stuff looks like it's been repurposed military tech. The fucking Batmobile. The coolest Batmobile. Ever, oh yeah, by far. Oh yeah, and like the Skyhook, where I like, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was like one of the coolest kind of things I've seen in the cinema. And I remember when I got home, I instantly researched it, and it's it's a real thing. And you can, you can read like the CIA's testing of the thing. They like strapped a pig to it, and they actually <sighs> tested. And like this, this thing works flawlessly. It doesn't like just jerk your soul out of your body no it doesn't because i guess there's enough like with the the way the aerodynamics work is there's enough slack in the rope that's being towed is it kind of a stretchy rope it's not really stretchy but just like think think about like you know that there's this giant curve to the rope because it's there's like various you know it it gets heavier and heavier the longer it is but the the aerodynamics affects it too so Uh then when a sudden load gets jerked it starts to it starts to straighten out uh-huh. And instead of it being like a bungee type thing, it's just the the fact that the the line is slack and 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 the slack eventually gets let out. That yeah, it's definitely like a wild ride, but it's not like violently acceler. It's not a violent acceleration. Huh. And just the way you know they got like it's a prop plane, which you think would be a problem, but they got guide wires that like you can essentially hit anywhere within the wingspan, and it's yeah. going to hit the hook and and successfully be captured. I. Like I said, it's it's crazy that that's real technology from fifty years ago. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> it's, uh, I mean, and the movie starts out. I mean, just in full gear. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there is no ramp up time on this. It starts out with a bank heist. It's, right. It's pedal to the metal from the beginning, and I I I like the helicopter shot at the beginning. I know that this would be done with drones now, and you can kind of see the helicopter in the window reflection mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. It's a nice shot to open the the thing, and then just the matter of fact way that the Joker is treating this bank heist. You know, right. I mean, and he's you got... don't even realize it's the Joker for the longest time. Right, right. Uh, if if you didn't know his hair, <laughs> right. you wouldn't know it's him. Uh, but also the way it plays into uh, the the later plot of the movie, where he's kind of collected all this money and he's going to burn it. Right, like this bank heist. I think is part of that. I think yeah. he's stolen the money that the mobsters had in that bank. Now he's, you know, combining it with the Chinese guy to to have all their money in one place. Yeah, I never so I'm not I'm not certain on how this ties into the end, but but it's interesting because he's killing all these guys mm-hmm. because he wants to collect all that money so he can burn it later, I think. Yeah, I think cuz this is the first time I've watched this movie from like, you know, to the extent that I'm a critic with the critical eye. And I, because I was looking for this, some of those connections. And I think the Joker realized that Batman and Commissioner Gordon were getting close to the mob's money. And this is going to put this thing down for good. And that he was stealing the mob's money 
to force them to more the centralized control. Mm-hmm. So it'd be in some. It, so, so he's essentially manipulating the gangsters, just as he's manipulating the police to get him into a move where he can, you know, go all in and 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 take him out himself, rather than the police being able to do it. He's the one that's going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seemed like it. Because um, obviously he has no like that's that that's again where the writing comes in. Like the Joker has no need for money. Sure, he likes gunpowder, bullets, and gasoline, things that are super cheap. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't want fancy suits. He doesn't want complex toys. He just wants to foment, uh, you know, foment terror and, and chaos. Can I, let me ask you this. The one thing that I feel they were a little loose with in the plotting. Okay. Uh, why is the scarecrow even in this movie? I think, yeah, I think it's just to show, uh, the, to have some kind of connection to the first one. Yeah. So it kind of makes the universe seem like this is the you're seeing the evolutionary link between why these guys started wearing masks and how the joke. But the Joker's the new breed. He's the hmm. you okay. know, he's the Tyrannosaur to the uh, Allosaurus of the of the Scarecrow. Right. You need the you need the the big white great lizard beast in the <laughs> yeah, next from Jurassic one who, World. who is bane i guess i don't know yeah that's like what would they, they yeah. even had like the megasaurus rex or yeah i think that's what it is yeah. megasaurus mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or the, the dominus, dominus dominus rex dominus rex I indominus think, yeah, maybe indominus yeah they should have called it batman rex. rex that would be that would be scary batman rex uh okay all right i guess that makes some thematic sense but i he didn't really need to be in it I was Probably. surprised to see him, honestly, because it's been so long since I've seen this movie. It's a two-and-a-half-hour movie. It's arguable that some fat could be trimmed, but... I don't know. I mean, I felt like this was a pretty tight movie. Yeah. And Despite also cause, its runtime. Because the other thing is, like, I guess you could... You, you're right. You didn't need to have um, the Scarecrow in there. But he did add a little bit of color and showed that how desperate the gangsters were. Because, like, you know, Batman's taking the money and the drugs off the street. They're now down yeah. reduced to trying to sell some kind of fear gas as a way to get high. Because it's literally the only supply in town. And it mirrors with them shacking up with the Lao guy because he's literally the only money changer left in town. Yeah. So it's kind of like selling the desperation of it. But and you're... he's not even in town. Yeah. <laughs> he's not yeah. even in country. Yeah. But I guess, you know, what else would you... How else would you sell that desperate? Like, people know the fear gas and how bad that is. So it's kind of like shorthand for how desperate the gangsters are that they're going to this guy to get their drug supply. Okay. Yeah. I got an answer for everything. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but Answer I'll... me this. Why is the guy turning the safe dial with shoes on his hands? Safe dial with shoes on his hands? Yeah, in the bank heist, the guy's got shoes, like sneakers, on his hands, and he's twisting no, that he's safe dial. No, he's not. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, my friend. Look at it. All right. I don't have an answer for it's, that. Okay. There we go. <laughs> I can't imagine why any person would do that. Because he's one of Joker's flunkies? I don't... He's just insane? Well, Are I they mean, trying to get at this, like, Joker hires the insane? Because I know he does. I, that's the thing. Like, these guys, none of them felt particularly insane, which is why I think the Joker saw them as disposable. Okay. Well, well, actually, he uh, the, sees the all one... of his guys as disposable, honestly. Because, yeah, yeah. like I said, like, I was like, well, maybe he Which looks means... after the lunatics, but not really. I've always wondered why anybody would work for the Joker. Because they're crazy or greedy. I guess, but I they mean, never could... get any money, and they always 
like are at risk of being just killed by the Joker. Yeah, but it's like I've been so you know I've been binging the wire in my free time uh, over the holidays, and like that's one question I keep asking myself: like, why the hell would you ever go out on a corner and sling drugs Mm -hmm. when you know? That you're either going to not live long or you're going to end up in jail for a very long time. And the reality is because people are desperate and greedy and they don't have any other option. And if you throw on some sort of mental illness on top of it, there's the Joker's squad. Okay. That makes sense. But there is a lot of interesting because you see like him take over the old guard, like when he takes over that one gangster and he's like, hey, you know, I've got some career opportunities in my organization but there's only one slot and he breaks a cue stick and then throw and and throws half of it to three guys and says you know Mm -hmm. make it fast like yeah you can tell that even by gangster standards this is some crazy shit sure um but it works it works it does and i i think it i think this movie partially works because it is so grounded in reality in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways like everything is so matter of fact right it's it doesn't it doesn't linger on things longer than it needs to. It right. trusts the audience to get what what Nolans the Nolans are putting down here. Right. Uh, I just I really like the feel of it. Um, it. It's clearly set in the modern day. Right. And it doesn't feel like it's taking any liberties with that. Right. Yeah, and like there's a couple. Of, uh, I just you know, I was just watching these set pieces. Like the first when the Joker introduces himself to the uh, the gangsters, and he comes in and like because I think at this point everyone expects the Joker to be funny because that's what you're conditioned to. So he does right. do that. Like, oh, I got this magic trick. I'm going to make this pencil disappear, which is hilarious and brutal. Yeah, but that's really the only thing that he does that's funny at all. Well, I guess his shtick with being dressed up as a nurse and, you know, playing with the detonator in the hospital. Okay. There's there's yeah. but there's very few real laughs. It's it's yeah. more of a grim, you know, uh, carnival of the absurd. But he does that and then like I'm thinking like just as as an audience I'm thinking like why would these guys let this guy walk out of here? Like they're just going to kill him and then he reveals that he's strapped with explosives. Right. And it's like which he's not doing the dead man switch, right? He's just not doing it right. Well, but the Joker, like, he's... I don't think he needs a Deadman switch, because he'll just pull it. I know, but not if he gets shot in the head. Yeah, but as soon as you draw, he's just going to pull. Like, he doesn't care. He doesn't give a fuck. Like, Deadman switches for people that are afraid they're going to puss out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fair. Because I I was thinking the same thing, and I'm like, well, maybe he's like... I just, like, if anyone even breathes wrong, I'm just going to pull it, and who cares? (laughs) Right. Because that's cha- you know that's chaos too. Or if I get shot, and in the he head, doesn't then... have a plan yeah. necessarily, you know. Although I I dispute his claim. Well, at some point he clearly has a plan. Well, that's the that's the other layer of irony that I was noticing is the fact that the Joker, in his own way, is just a big a hypocrite as he claimed Batman. because yeah. he yeah, you don't have a plan. You don't have a plan. Right. You might not have a goal. But you certainly ha- okay. have a plan. Yeah, you don't want anything out of this other than chaos. But, yeah, you but that in itself is a pl- you have a plan to get the chaos. Right. He's a he's very little fingery. Yeah, to yeah. tell you the truth, he is. Um, let let me ask you this. Uh huh. Since you have all the answers, <laughs> uh, I, I I I I biffed it on the shoes on the hand true. thing. That's so. true. I might get you on I, this I'm, one too. I'm slowly distancing myself from that remark. How many phony bat suits do they go through in this movie? Like hockey pads and and just like water wings <laughs> painted black. Yeah. Like they had so many phony Batmans and Joker makeup. Like how many yeah. gallons of Joker makeup did they go through? Because there are phony Jokers and phony Batmans everywhere in this movie. Yeah. 
Well, the answer is probably a lot. And even, like, I was noticing for the first time how many different bat costumes there were. And they all had good... Oh, yeah. They had all good universe reasons for it. Like, this is Electro Chainsaw Mitt Batman, and this is Batman that can't turn his neck. And and also, like, that shoots the... The things off his wrist, and, and like and they're all just visually distinctive too. And I'm like, man, yeah. that's weird because that scene, like in most movies, I'd say that was to sell action figures, but in here there was a satirical edge to it because that was always the funny thing about the other Batman's, like Michael Keaton. If he needed to look over his shoulder, he had to literally swerve well, his own yeah. torso because he mm-hmm. literally couldn't bend his neck, and they're making fun of that. Mm-hmm. And then they solved the problem, but also like. You know, in previous Batman, the only time Batman changes clothes is to sell a new action figure. Right. So there's a little bit of that angle, too. And they're usually, like, really distinct suits, like different colors, different shapes. This is kind of all very similar looking. I actually thought I was kind of shocked at how crappy Batman's first costume looked. Hmm. Like, that whole cowl and cape assemble when he especially... And shout out to Cecily for pointing this out because I guess Dan Harmon did a bit on it that she just heard on one of his old podcasts. But like when you see Batman standing under fluorescent lights, uh, like when he's in the bank talking to, he looks like shit. Huh? Like, uh, and everybody, okay. everybody that puts on a Batman mask seems to suffer from a case of duck lips. Yeah, yeah, but, Val Kilmer especially. Val, oh, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, Michael Keaton had the duck lip. Like George Clooney, I think is though maybe the best looking chin in a bat cow. Okay. If you're just judging Best by chain, yeah. how not duck face did he get, <laughs> right? But Christian Bale, between the, the the so the one and nobody really talks about this a lot, but there's a couple points in this movie where it's hard to take him serious between the voice yeah. and the duck, yeah. especially when they catch him in a uh, profile and he looks like he's doing uh-huh. he looks like he's giving selfie duck face. Yeah. And he's talking like this. You gotta press your lips just so. And, and I get it; it makes sense, right? Like you want to disguise your voice. You yes. want it so people don't know you're Bruce Wayne. Yes, because Bruce Wayne probably gives a lot of press conferences and I, shit. I gotta give it to Ben, the the the, the, the bat, the the Ben Ben Man, or what do you call Batfleck? Ben. Oh, okay. The, the way that they digitally, like, I feel like that's what Bruce Wayne would really do. He'd have some kind of complicated system to digitally mm-hmm. mask his voice and make it drop at a couple octaves and sound menacing. Yeah. He just wouldn't run around talking like this. <laughs> we should do the whole podcast in Batman. We should have done a whole podcast in Batman voice. Damn it. Golden opportunity missed. Yeah. What are you talking about? The artistic merits of the writing. You just can't say enough good about Michael Caine's delivery of the men want to watch the world burn. <laughs> Like, it really sells the concept of Alfred being in the Congo, and he seems like a much more interesting story. And, yeah, I can't even, like, it's 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 mentally taxing to think of how Batman would say and talk about it. Um, the, the other thing about the Bat costume that I, I... I don't remember them doing this in previous movies. Maybe they did this in Batman Begins, but certainly not in previous ones. The... There's makeup. There's makeup involved in the Batman costume. I don't know if you noticed this, but when you when you look at Christian Bale in this costume, mm-hmm. the the eyes of the cowl go yeah. go much further than like his pupils. They they've always and, done that. And they color like mm-hmm. they they put makeup all over all around his eyes, like black makeup. Yep. Which I think really sells the right. Batman costume way more than like cuz I've seen Batman with no makeup on and mm-hmm. it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad. You just got like these big two big eye holes with uh-huh. skin everywhere yep. and it just looks stupid. Yeah, no, here I, it looks really good. 
I've seen I've seen like most most of the modern Batman do do that where they've got they they cover up the eye hole with a little bit of grease paint so it doesn't look like um, yeah I also thought but was, how long does it take Batman to get ready it's true that's true I mean he's got to go put on his makeup then I, I tell <laughs> you gotta, what yeah get, put on the makeup then get in the suit I know how long it takes to put on a full set of motorcycle leathers especially yeah. if you're even a little bit sweaty. Mm-hmm. Like there, I where is the scene where uh, Alfred is just pouring a gallon of baby powder down his pants so he can fit those <laughs> leggings on, and like just just like, just like just picking him up by his like his belt bu- his, his belt buckle and just like jack herring him <laughs> into those pants because it's it's not. And then you got to get the boots and the gloves, and then then you realize you forgot to buckle your belt and you've already put your gloves on. And God oh, damn it, I got to take all this stuff to, off. Or... You forgot to take a leak. Yeah, now it's all bad news. And by the yeah. time you get there, the crime's been committed the perpetrators are gone it's you gotta you gotta get up early in the morning to be batman that's or, why he doesn't or stay sleep. up late at night that's yeah. why he doesn't get out till two o'clock in the morning he started putting on a costume at noon <laughs> right. he's ready to hit the streets at one o'clock in the morning yeah um but yeah no that's 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 a good catch too i also like the fact that like in these um they really sell that like batman you know he's supposed to be the world's greatest detective yeah and there's a couple scenes where they really sell that, like, you know, when, like, Commissioner Gordon derisively says, I guess he's just Lieutenant Governor here, or Lieutenant Gordon, rather. He derisively mm-hmm. says, what, are you going to try to take ballistics off a shattered bullet? And he's like, no, fingerprints. Right. And then you go back to his lab, and he's, like, doing test fires and doing a bunch of statistical analysis of the bullet, and he fucking does it. Yeah, he I mean, reconstructs a bullet and gets a fingerprint. That's why he's the world's greatest detective, man. Yeah. Uh, and he does a lot of that, like, you know, the fact that Bruce Wayne is smart enough that he, even before Lucius Fox tells him, he's already gone through the guy's, you know, books and seen his criminal activity. Mm-hmm. Like, they kind of sell the fact that he is yeah. super, he's really disciplined and, and studied the science of this stuff, and he's not just a, he's not just a suit with a lot of cash. And he works really well in tangent with the... Or in tandem, rather, with the the police force here, because the police force is having the predictable response that the Joker expects, right? Like right. when he says, "I'm going to blow up a hospital," um, they go into full swing, evacuating all these hospitals, getting people out of harm's way. But Batman is thinking on the next level, like which of these cops actually have family members in the hospitals? He's figuring out like what Joker's thinking, mm-hmm. as opposed to just reacting to what the Joker wants, mm-hmm. you know. I also really like the times when Batman has to save the day as Bruce Wayne. Uh huh. That's always yeah, super entertaining. Like you know when uh, Michael Keaton had to go chesty on the Joker and he gets shot and he's already mm-hmm. thought ahead to put like some kind of metal plate in his pocket or whatever. And here, uh, you know, Christian Bale wrecks into the cop uh, that and, and and saves the guy in and the then, Lamborghini. In the Lamborghini, yeah, and then yeah. he instantly denies like I what I run into light when Gordon's trying to tell him that you know like good thinking. Yeah, I I think that's I mean I don't because the other part of it is I was thinking like when he gets inserted into China right mm-hmm. it's like oh we got South Korean pirates and we're got Mike and they 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 take cash but it's like but. Yeah, but you're going to get off this boat, you're going to get onto their plane, and then presumably suit up as Batman and jump out of their plane. Wait, what? You lost me. So what is when, the plan when he here? gets inserted into China, so you, there's this one thing okay. where like there's this ha-ha moment where Rachel and uh, Harvey show up to the ballet, and it's been canceled because Bruce Wayne right. has run off with the he's entire... taking the Russian ballet with and he's, him. And he's, yeah. he's off to... He's in the South China Sea... And him and there's a there's throwaway scene where him and Alfred's talking about how he's going to get into China. And he's like, we found these South Korean pirates that fly low under the radar. And and I'm like, okay. And they take cash and like, 
okay, yes, this is all good. But at the end of the day, you're still going to jump out of that plane as fucking Batman. How do you keep that quiet? <laughs> right, you're there in the suit. Like, I don't care Wait. how you're paying them and what kind of shell company you're using. You're jumping out as bat. You're going to have a parachute shaped like a bat wing, probably. And they're going to see. Now, is he relying on the fact that no one's going to like, oh, yeah, some Wait, South Korean. how does Korean- he get in there? I don't remember how he gets in. I remember he skyhooks out. No, he literally, that's what he does. He says he, he, he falls off the end of the boat and he leaves uh, Alfred to suntan lotion these ballerinas. Right. And he boards that right. seaplane and that's the presumably South Korean pirates that are going to dump him into China. Yeah, he does jump he, off as Bruce Wayne. He's, and he? he's right. He's like, it'd be like Bill Gates swimming. Like, like, so, you, so, you, so let's say Bill Gates uh-huh. hires a South Korean pirate. And he goes and swims the on a ballet. plane, and and he's and he and the South Korean pirate seems like that's Bill Gates. Yeah, yeah. he jumps out of he, and he just put on a bat suit and he jumped out of a plane. Bill Gates is Batman. <laughs> we know this is this like is a like fact. Is, is he count, like there is a really awesome scene where um the little low level Wayne Tech guy tries to blackmail Batman yeah. mm-hmm. and Lucius Fox is like it's 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 this great scene yeah this man like beats <laughs> thugs to a pulp by night and you're gonna black blackmail and him? also That's your plan? also in his real life he's one of the most powerful men in the world right. financially and politically yeah. and also he beats people for fun yeah um you're gonna try to blackmail this guy but on the other hand it's like you know, like, is, is he just relying on the fact that no one's going to believe a South Korean pilot that says, hey, I, get, I just flew Batman into China? Maybe. Like, but on the other hand, Batman extradited this guy from China. Right. Like, this is like, it seems like there's the connections to be made. <laughs> it does, yeah. Because I was thinking, like, you know, I guess because I knew this these plot points were coming up. I'm like, how do they explain how he gets into China? Because unless he's got some autonomous bat plane that drops him off, he's going to have to have a flight crew and someone's right. going to have to fill up the plane. And there's like all these paper trails. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a little bit of suspension of disbelief that you have to go in that because this Batman, since he's so grounded in reality, you know, like the Tim Burton Batman probably would have some kind of robotic bat plane to just, and I think it's also interesting now that I'm thinking this direction that one of the plot points in the the third Batman is that yeah. he does have right. an automatic pilot bat plane because maybe he's like I don't I don't like trusting these South these South Korean guys are giving oh, me some yeah. wry glances Alfred uh-huh. why don't you start ginning up I'll write the software myself just just tell Lucius I need the plane um, <laughs> but I thought that was kind of funny how in the world does that people not know that this is Bruce Wayne with him going around leaving all these paper trails behind? Yeah, I, I have a couple of problems like that with this movie where it just doesn't quite make sense. It doesn't quite hang together perfectly, right. although the vast majority of it does. But, like, another problem I have is when Joker's threatening the hospitals and they're evacuating everybody, why the hell don't they evac? What may be, in fact, the most important person in Gotham, Harvey Dent, why don't they evac him? You mean with a, with a helicopter? No, I mean, put him on a fucking school bus like they do everybody else. Why don't they evac this guy? He's the one person that's left behind in this hospital. Oh. They get everybody else out, but he's easily the most important of the people well, there. Well, I think you're supposed to think that the Joker has, like, somehow shanghaied the nurse that was supposed to do that, but you're right, like... There's I mean, not they just they wouldn't one have a per- single nurse yeah. going, let's get out of here. The Harvey, problem is they go. trusted it to the nurse and the two South Korean pilots to get the job done. <laughs> right. and, but yeah, you're right. That that is That doesn't quite hang for me, but but you know, whatever. You need him to, to get blown up, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Or do you need him to get blown up? Where is he at that point? 
He's in the hospital. I know, but he's already blown up. He's like, how does he get up. out? Yeah. The Joker, the Joker doesn't lets take him, him out. Let's him go. What the Joker. Do you mean, so the last go? time we saw, I remember the scene. The does last, he walk out? He gives. On his own? He gives Harvey Dent the gun and okay. says, "Go." And he puts it to his puts own to his head. head. Right. He flips the coin. And then he flips the coin, that which that's what's. There's a great like. I I love how Ledger plays that. Like you know, he's just like heads you live. He's like mm-hmm. He's like tails you win. He's like oh, now we're talking. Like he's like yeah. He's like he yes. Care. I've yeah. I've I've done my job. But I think mm-hmm. from there you just think that the Joker did let him go, and then he blows up the hospital to cover it up. But. Yeah, I, don't, I guess letting someone who has been burned half to hell go. Yeah, what is not really mean? a thing. Yeah, yeah. Like I was, there's a couple points like where Harvey Dent takes. There's this badass scene where he takes a shot of whiskey and he throws it back and it like goes down his chin. Yeah. I'm like, how bad would that hurt? It's real bad. If you got a face that's burnt down to the bone and you just threw eighty proof alcohol all over that side. Yeah. Like that would that would bring a couple tears to your eye, wouldn't it? That's the other problem I have. I, like I think the Harvey Dent look is kind of bad. Do you? Yeah, I remember thinking that when I saw it in an, an, an IMAX. But I was actually watching it last night, thinking, I don't know why I didn't like this because yes, it's obviously CG, but it's horrifying and it's yeah. I just that it doesn't feel realistic to me. Yeah, it feels like. It, it feels like the one thing in this movie that is still tied to, like, a comic book. Mm. Like, and Two-Face is, you know, a fairly comic booky character. Well, that's... But the Joker is so grounded. Like, the Joker you could see as a real human being, whereas Harvey Dent's, like, turned to Two-Face... Well, I but, see that as a comic book villain. So I'm familiar with the comic book version of Two-Face, where his, his origin story is literally he is interrogating... Uh, a thug and the thug brings a vial of acid and throws it at him just yeah. at a fit of peak and it burns him and he's so messed up from i guess being vain and he's no longer pretty that he decides to become like this is so much better oh, because yeah. like i can oh, see yeah. a person being in this situation where he's got his his the, the his fiance and him and the people are trying to choose mm-hmm. and he's so angry about the choice they made and survivor's guilt and the fact that these are dirty cops doing this that he just lashes out against the whole system especially yeah. when you got the joker standing on your shoulders so i'm judging it from like knowing where the character came from and how he was adapted to the screen and i think it's brilliant but mm-hmm. i guess if you're just coming but- out of vanilla like this is still kind of silly well, no, I, I mean, I, I buy his turn, right? Like, I buy that. Oh, I thought you said he did. Rachel being killed. It's, it's literally just the look of Two Face. I don't. It feels a little too unrealistic for me. Yeah. Like, I don't think a guy like that would a survive, or b. Uh, I just don't think that's what it would look like if right. your face was really, really burnt. I think it would be more melty, more like less, less muscle tendons that you're seeing, muscle and tendons here that. Yeah. You see, but why I don't know. Why we're on the topic of Two Face and Rachel? Yeah, um, how big of an upgrade was Maggie Gyllenhaal from Katie Holmes? Big. I like her much better. And <laughs> also, what happened to Katie Holmes? Because like, didn't Katie like she wasn't terrible in the first Batman, and like she really sold some sure. moments, like when she when she slapped Bruce in the face for bringing the gun to court and wanting to you know settle this right. on the streets. Yeah, like I really bought some of the things that she was doing. Now. Did she just get sucked into the Tom Cruise hole, and that's why she dropped out of acting for a while? Because like, well, I, it depends on how. That's much kind you of a tragedy if clear. she just if like, he just stole like six or seven of her, you know, the the prime of her career. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I largely think that Maggie Gyllenhaal is a better actress. Oh, I'm not going to argue that. She's okay. certainly done a lot more interesting work over. Yeah. But how much of that is because she didn't have some crazy Scientologist come in Shanghai for? Yeah. God, you know, like I said, five six years. Are they the same character? Yeah, they are. Okay. Yeah, they're intended to be the same character. Gotcha. Um, but I like I was just watching like man, she is just a massive upgrade over. I mean, maybe it could be as simple, you know, how they change Marty's girlfriend in Back to the Future between one and two, right? Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Shue, it could massive upgrade from <laughs> right whoever it was before. Because... It could just essentially be like scheduling conflicts. Mm-hmm. I don't. I really don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else? Because I, I I know there's a shit ton more that I want to talk about. Um, one thing I talk about the writing on on this because there's two facets of the facets of the writing. One is just the meticulous plotting because it I can't imagine it's that easy to come up with one or two of these things that the Joker's doing, let alone five or six of them, mm-hmm. where they're really like they're they're all variations of the same, making people make impossible choices, but they're also yeah. different in scale. Like some of them are deeply personal, like making Batman and commissioner Gordon choose between their hero and the hero's girlfriend and, mm-hmm. and tricking them. And do you think that the jo- wrong decision, do you or- think the Joker knows the Joker doesn't know who Batman really is because I'm like, that'd be a no. whole other level of mind fuck. If he actually knew, like, I mean, you know, how right. big of a he boner stumbles he would have into that. If he, yeah. would, if he would figure out that Rachel is important to both of those men. No, it's awesome that he stumbles into that. Like he yeah. doesn't realize what he's doing, but Oh, it has an effect on Batman. Yeah. 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 Big time. I think that's super cool. Where was I going with this? Oh, so there's one level of writing, just how clever it is to come up with all these different set pieces and have them be, you know, like, like, you know, not like Fast and Furious, where it's just like clearly someone came up with the idea to drive cars off towers in Dubai. Right. So let's figure out a way to get him there. Where this is just all stuff that's grounded in what Batman needs to do. But also, like Michael Caine, given that some men just want to watch the, the world some burn, men just want to watch the world burn, Ma- Master Bruce. It's super <laughs> well written and poetic, and also does like I was doing in my goofy Batman voice. It sells the idea that like because in the comic books, Alfred's always like he was like a fucking medic in the trenches of World War One or two, depending huh. on how old Batman was, or he was like in the the British intelligence agency, or he's got like hidden depths to him. And in that one story, Michael Caine basically brings all that backstory in. Like, Alfred's kind of a badass in his own right. Yeah. And and Uh, the fact that he understands Batman more than Batman understands himself. Right. Or Bruce Wayne. Like, he's never gone to that extreme because, you know, he had... I mean, you wonder what Alfred would have done with his life had he not had an orphan boy that he Mm. had to take care of. A millionaire. Billionaire orphan boy. Yeah. Yeah, like what he had written, what would he have done um, if this hadn't happened? But that and like, there's a couple like when Joker gets with the Batman and is talking about like what he's trying to do and when he uh, tortures Harvey Dent. And um, there's a lot of really good just writing that they're doing here. And he's talking to, you know, the gangsters and talking about his motivation where it's just kind of like spellbinding and mesmerizing from a. Not just a, a an, an acting and a casting, but from just like the stuff that they're writing is really, really way above what this scene requires. Sure. Yeah, and I like that's the thing. You can go baseline with these superhero movies, and yeah. they'll be entertaining and fun. But yeah. this is something more, and I think it's special because of that. Which a related question? Which of any is, of the Scar stories is real? I don't think any of them are. Really? Yeah. What do you think is the real deal then? 
that's the question i had that question in my notes too i don't know man i don't know i i I was reading some comments around and i guess in what is it one of the more famous joker like the killing joke i think that's the name of a comic yeah that's the one where he paralyzes uh barbara gordon oh okay i I haven't read it but or is that the one where he kills jason todd that's a death in the family. Who's the killing, Jason Todd? That's the know. the second Batman. The first Batman, Dick okay. Grayson, eventually becomes Nightwing, and he's his own right. superhero. Yeah. Batman finally takes on another one, and he gets killed by the Joker, hmm. which fucks up Batman even worse than he is for a while. The killing joke, I'm pretty sure, is the one where he paralyzes Barbara Gordon. Gotcha. The Joker, not Batman. <laughs> I would hope not. Uh-huh. Uh, but he essentially says, like, I like my history to be a multiple choice. I don't, he doesn't have most of the time he doesn't even remember which one is the true story right uh he's 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 out of his mind i guess i'd always thought that like maybe like that was a reaction to the batman phenomenon like these guys are having this mask so he's going to instead of being a pussy mm-hmm. and have something he can take off he's going to fully commit to it hmm Okay. And also, I just love, like, everything about the Joker's look is freaking awesome. Like, the, yeah. the the very fine but ostentatious suit that's also filthy and burnt and the yep. greasy hair and the paint that's, like, looks like he, he sleeps in it and he's cried in it and he's sweat in it. And yeah. does, it's, like, it's just all so good. Every take on the Joker I've seen is the exact opposite where he has to put on the the human makeup, right? Like the regular normal makeup. Right. To look like a normal human being. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 always kind of crazy. I think I guess the the Jack Nicholson character kind of leaned into that too that like someone as haphazard and insane as the Joker would actually take time to put an elaborate costume and makeup on. Yeah. Jack Nicholson, his face human. got acid and you got smiling right. gassed and that was just the way he actually had to wear makeup to look normal. Yeah. And I think it was good that they reversed that here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, they did, like I said earlier, they did a lot of stuff to really ground this more in reality as opposed to the typical superhero stuff, which gets a little crazy for me. Um, so it worked, worked really well. Yeah. Um, I also thought that like, you know, from a, cinematography standpoint there's like a lot of really striking shots a lot of striking shots of like batman on you know really tall uh hong kong towers um the police shooting in the middle of the commissioner's uh funeral i thought was Mm -hmm. really cool like when they did the 21 gun salute and the joker pulls his gun to the side to to take the shot at the mayor and then they she all the cops just scatter like they like this is like an old school. There's hundreds of extras and stuff, and they've shut down a street. And I always kind of admire, you know, because like we got a little jaded with like you know the the Lord of the Rings style massive armies and stuff. But when you can tell like something's really real, it's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. And that was also a neat set piece that it has another believable Joker thing where he's rigged up this blind to shoot up at a particular time, knowing that people are going to be looking for snipers to pull. I mean, it's that stuff is clever as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have, I have a lot of like ethical quandaries to propound you with. Okay, because that seems to be what this movie trades in. Uh, let's start off with the ethics. So, so there's a very brief moment where you know they're loading these criminals onto onto the ferry. The evacu- right? Okay, because I evacuate <laughs> them, and this guy's like, "Hey, let, let me on there. We deserve to be on there. Fuck those guys." What's what's your opinion on the ethics of getting criminals out of the city before evacuating citizens? 
Wow. Where do you fall on that? How, or, That's not the me, question I thought you were going to ask Let me put me. this to you. How do you decide who goes first in an evacuation scenario? Man. Is it first come, first served? Man, it's almost like it's, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a smaller version of the asteroids coming to hit the Earth. Who do you pick to, to go into the underground bunker that's going to survive? Right. right. Obviously, yeah. Elijah Woods. <laughs> uh, you pick the prettiest? Is that where you're going with this? Well, he's not really the prettiest. He's weird. Actually, in, the, in deep, deep, deep impact, he didn't. He he wasn't one of the ones in the show, sh- bunker, was he? He wasn't. I don't think I've seen Deep Impact. Another it's been great a long Morgan time. Freeman movie. <laughs> um, shit. Also, he plays Lucius Fox in that. <laughs> Hey, Batman! Batman would have uh, flown his uh, automatic plane up to the asteroid, <laughs> right? And put a cell phone on it, and that would have fixed its business. But good, yep. Um, boy, that's a good question. That's a good question because there's the argument of you've got these, you know, these taxpayers, these citizens, uh, and then you've got the the criminals who've made their choices and who've rolled the dice already. And but then again, I also am sympathetic to the view that the civilization is judged by, you know, how it treats the 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 people in the worst situations in life, and mm-hmm. like that's the thing about reality. It's a bitch because those principles come into conflict all the time. Yeah, and I'm just talking yeah. in circles to try to give myself a, t- <laughs> a, a, a a way to think of an answer. I don't. Can I know, say something man. controversial? Maybe it'll. it'll I guess stir if it was my here. me, my wife, and my kid on the shore, I would be pretty fucking pissed that a yeah. boat full of convicts is making yeah. it off before me. But I don't and know I, that that's a great way to rule society. Because if you if you put else, like, what I'm willing do to it? do to save my wife and child versus sure, yeah. the good of humanity, that right. the good of humanity is not going to come off well in most of those scenarios. Yeah, I, uh, okay. I, I'm going to say something that probably will come off a little bit diggish, a little bit harsh. Uh, I think the good of society is served by getting the citizens who have not committed these heinous crimes out first. Mm. I think you're right. Like, I don't think you should not evacuate the prisoners. Yeah, I'm not I saying, like, think... if the prison's on fire, you'll lock them in your cells no, and be like... No, God, no. You get them out of there because yeah. nobody else is at stake here. Right. But, like, when everyone is at, is, is at risk, I I don't think you should prioritize criminals over people who have either not done anything wrong or not been caught doing anything wrong. But is it part of this, like, um, you could see... Because one of the things I love about this movie is it feels kind of lived in, like... Mm-hmm. The uh, the Wayne Mansion's burnt to the ground, so Batman's living out, or Bruce Wayne's living out of a penthouse. Batman's yeah. living out of some fucking underground junkyard fortress, which is cool. Right? Um, isn't so- some of this like a overreaction to the last movie where the inmates, because of some disaster, mm-hmm. uh, were let let loose? And so they're like, man, we it don't is. want that to happen again. So let's make sure that we get these guys. And because if we leave them behind and they're running amok through Gotham, then what? Like, and and the Joker knows that, and the Joker exactly. plays on that, and he and he knows the society overlearns their lesson from the last thing that they did. And, and that leads me to my next question, which is: if you're on the civilian boat, and right. and you are you are presented with the problem that the Joker presents you with. What do you do? See, I like this. I thought this was like, I, I don't I know how it. realistic it is, but you get first of all, you cast Zeus, uh, who has been uh, so, so he's the cross-eyed wrestler. Oh, yes, yes, he's also the president of the universe and uh, Fifth Element. Yeah. Um, I forget what his real his real name is, but I know him as Zeus. Or the that's how mm-hmm. I grew up with him. You cast that guy who's like this menacing. 
Right. Looks like he could just tear you in half. Looks like he could snap you like a, a stick of celery. And you have him saying all this like gothic criminal shit, like you gotta give, give me that. I'm gonna do the thing that you should have done ten ten minutes ago. Uh-huh. And you think he's just gonna get it and pull the trigger, and then he yeah. take like this guy takes it and he throws it out the window, mm-hmm. like that. And there's this weird thing where like the civilians are the ones that are like, you know what? They're criminals. Fuck them. We should do this. Like we should secure our own fate. And that's what clearly that the Joker is wanting to happen. But like Batman says, like, you know, essentially you're wrong. Like, I know I'm just restating the fucking this is not interesting particularly. But I thought it was great because if you're asking me what I think would really happen, I actually think it would go down that way. You think so? People, I think that people just think, wouldn't be able. I think to. Con, as like from what I can tell of criminals, there is a little bit of superstition and like getting right with Jesus and like just just enough of. I don't think that it's uh, you know like I I think that they probably would do that and I think that citizen the the you know you get you, you give it to the wrong person in any one of those boats and something different happens right but you know this might be Pollyanna but I do believe in the fundamental goodness of people and I know as soon as I sign on to the PlayStation Next Tony Death is going to tell me I'm a fucking idiot <laughs> and both of those boats would have gone up like the Fourth of July <laughs> right. but I do believe in the intrinsic goodness of people and I think that nine times out of ten you get a situation where. You know, if you have to be the one to pull the trigger and kill hundreds of people, that the temptation to just be like, you know what, we're still here, let's ride this out. Yeah, and I, I think it works so well um, that nobody actually does pull this trigger because that's what Batman would do. Um, that's the thing that Batman is fighting for, and the, the thing that Joker's trying to get them to do is effectively working against the goals of Batman and Harvey Dent and, like, everybody who's who's trying to keep some kind of peace and law here. And yep. and the fact that they don't do it, and the fact that then Batman covers for Harvey Dent and says, look, I like I will take the blame for this. I will be the vigilante who's killing people, um, doing all these horrible things because the city needs this. Like, they need they need a white knight, not a dark knight, um, to, to lead them through this. Hmm. Like I think, I think the the idea that they wouldn't actually kill, and that Batman won't kill, and that he will take the responsibility of someone who would in order to save face for the entire city and the right. entire system of rule, like the system of law right. and justice in that we have going. I think that's not only noble on Batman's part, but I think it makes a lot of sense for this this city and it's the only way like then I, I think that gordon can't see that and also i think it's brilliant that gordon actually like they, they talk about how he's paid a price like the fact that he hasn't spent much time with his wife and his kids yeah and in the end his madman takes them all hostage and puts him through this psychological ordeal mm-hmm. um that of course batman eventually saves him from but like i do like that these these people do pay a cost for all this including batman yeah no you're absolutely right because batman can clearly see that if they play it any other way, it makes all of what happened in the previous 72 hours or whatever completely meaningless. Yeah. Like, there's a there's a way to give Gotham a chance. And also, Batman knows that if, you know, he can still fight crime in the margins and he's too smart for the cops to catch anyway. Sure. Um, but it's almost like Joker's trying to corrupt the city itself, the the, the entirety of the population there. And and the idea that Batman would, would take that, you know, misplaced... Uh, blame to preserve the innocence of the people in the city, I think is is 
pretty he, cool. Not only that, but he also, like, I think it's a reaction to the Batman vigilantes, the copycats. Like, that's really troubling, Bruce, that, yeah. like, I meant to inspire people to be courageous and good, but they're literally, like, they're taking the lesson too goddamn literally. So mm-hmm. now I'm going to ultimately turn the city's hearts towards the selfless defender yeah. of, of the civilian power. Who's working within the system. And I'm going to show the ultimately the vigilante justice is corrupt and meaningless and empty, even though it's not. I'm going to sell right. the big lie, which that's the other thing I think the next, even though, you know, hard to argue that the next movie is a letdown from this one, it does show the other side of that big lie. Like, what do you do mm. when the big lie is uncovered? Yeah, I don't remember that one well enough. Yeah. Saw that one once. Uh, the, the the other big question I have, and this is like me just not understanding what the movie is trying to lay down here. Okay, as far as Bruce Wayne um, and, and Batman and his motivations, why does Alfred burn this note at the end from Rachel that that essentially says, "Hey, I'm I'm not going to be with you because you need to be Batman. Uh, I'm going to be with Harvey." Because she's dead and it's not going to change anything. And I think that that Alfred knows that this is what he needs to carry the weight that he's going to have to carry. It's kind of like it's essentially a very personal scale of what Gordon told his son. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, this is something he needs to hear, but it doesn't need to be right now. Or it it was an important truth for him to know had things worked out differently. Yeah. But now that both Harvey and Rachel are dead... Like, this is literally just pouring whiskey over a half-burnt-off face. <laughs> it's right. not, it has very little medicinal value, and it's just going to hurt. Yeah. And, like, that, that's the thing. Like, they have this intimate relationship to where, like, I – you know, like, honestly, if I found out you were keeping something from me like that, if I found that, I'd be pissed off. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to argue that, like, if all else being equal, it didn't matter. Like, if you knew that, like, Cecily had cheated on me, but she's dead now – Sure, yeah. You know, like, I'd be probably mad if you told me, like, 20 years later, hey, I kept this from you the whole time. Uh But it's also hard to argue that that's not a merciful thing that you're doing. Right. Okay, so he's just trying to spare Batman the heartache here. Yeah. So that he will have an easier time doing the things he needs to do. And also... The thing, you know, Alfred loves Bruce. Sure. Yeah. Like a fa- like a he's got a like a father-son bond with this this guy. Yeah. So it's also like, you know, the 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 love a parent has for a child, he's just trying to spare him from pain for that that as well. Okay. Uh so I was going to yeah, so we, we we backed into the I was going to ask you what what do you think would really happen? So I I told you my my theory, what do you think really happens? in this fairy situation. I think somebody's an asshole enough on the civilian boat to just say, fuck those criminals, I'm going to blow it up. Like, especially if you're talking about a one city guy. like Gotham. Yeah, okay. all it takes is one guy. I'll take, but, right? but he has the to, thing. Yeah, so like this... Like, a- the this- asshole who stands up and, and ultimately can't do it, I think he would have done it. Hmm. If to everybody's looking at him with people? like skepticism and disgust, I don't... Because they can never prove that he didn't save them. That's true. That he just killed these people for no reason. That's true. They they would have to have some bit of gratitude toward him. And, like, it's fucked up because he just killed a whole bunch and of no, people. And that's the like, thing, I guess, that no one would ever judge you otherwise. Like, no one right. would ever... I mean, I'm sure you someone could would raise write the in, question. You could raise the question, but, no, like, most of society would side with you if you're on a civilian boat and you blew up the criminals because I think so and and like I said all it takes is one person to be willing to do that. I don't agree with that. 
Because if there's just one right. guy in the boat yelling and screaming, everybody else, like I, well, I, think I the mean, after like the vote, you. so the vote was clearly there. But I mean, one person with the will to actually push the button, yeah, because I, clearly the crowd was with him. And I do thought that was interesting. The fact that they actually took a vote and it was overwhelmingly, yeah. but yet no one could actually do it. No one could swing the sword. I don't right. know. Like, I mean, are there people? I guess I would think that you to have a person that would willingly blow up hundreds of people in a very detached self-defense like it's a prisoner dilemma right. only it's, it's, it's like not skinner box sort of thing yeah right? yeah <laughs> like like the fact that you like it seems like you'd have to have a person with very low empathy and also kind of low intelligence so yeah there's definitely those people were kicking about in society right i yeah for sure um but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I. I like, you. You just have to hope none of them are on the boat. I guess. <laughs> what are the chances on a go- any given Gotham ferry that you're right? I mean, have? if it's if it's essentially New York, come on, somebody on there is going to push that button. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing about like you can find problems with this movie in the margins, but like I didn't. Mm-hmm. I think it was the third time I watched it, I started thinking like, wait, how the hell does he know where this helicopter is going to be? Right. You know. Because, uh, like, he's certainly like, okay, they're going to go into tunnels because you blocked it off with the burning fire truck. Okay. Mm. But every single time you put a decision like that and the cops could turn left or right or go up or down, and then, like, does he have uh, groups of maniacal thugs willing to take down a police helicopter in every major street in Gotham? Right. How high does he know they're flying? Yeah. Like, what if they flew 40 feet higher? Right. Right. Dude, your plan's busted, man. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately, none of that mattered to his actual plan all he wanted to do was get arrested right well i mean that's yeah i mean when you all come down to like he like again he's an agent of chaos so he doesn't care like if that all failed spectacularly you're right he yeah that's the guy the gets he away did. he gets arrested he still does his, does his batman conundrum thing so that was all a show yeah but then then it starts getting deeper because okay so he counted on that to happen he counted on them to take him to the central holding uh, yeah and he also arranged to have someone's guts get operated on so he has a cell phone bomb in there and he's going to uh-huh. be in the same cell like i don't know where the pile becomes too much and it starts falling over itself but i do feel like eventually if you pick on enough of that that but it's kind mm-hmm. of remarkable that it's that resilient yeah like it's certainly not very many people the first time they see it are going to be saying hey wait a fucking minute yeah, in some ways I feel like – so I talked earlier about how grounded this movie is in in a sort of reality, which is surprising mm-hmm. for a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. But in some ways that negatively affects it as well. Like when when I see, you know, the Avengers, like when when something implausible happens with Thor or like <laughs> Iron Man does something crazy that could never happen in real life – you kind of you give it a little bit of latitude, right? You just say, "Well, that's a superhero movie. Yeah, go for it." But when you try and ground it this much, and then you still have flaws like that, it almost does more harm to the movie than a traditional superhero movie would. Yeah, which is not to say that this movie is bad in any way. Like, right? It's just like, yeah, you, you're you can right. overlook like, the stuff because the rest of it is so good. S- Star Wars can do whatever the fuck it wants because it's got the force. Star Trek's yeah. held to a higher standard, but they start. Flipping inverted polaron beams right. and like what, and then Interstellar, like you fucking get the worm nature of time mechanics wrong, and it's like you know, yeah, zero for ten would not watch again. <laughs> right. So the the more seriously you take the subject, the more you allow yourself to be attacked on those realistic grounds. Yeah, 
But like I said, you know, my... but it's a sum of its parts, and it's like it, the the advantages of of this type of storytelling far outweigh the disadvantages. But I tell you what, I think this is what what this is, we've 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 stumbled into what sets a movie like The Godfather apart from this. Like where I've seen The Godfather fifty times, and it keeps getting better and tighter, and every and and like Godfather two too. Um, this movie, like, I just realized, like, if I watch this movie every month for, like, a year, at the end, like, I, there's still some stuff that would work, but you'd get tired of it, and also you would see all these things laid bare, all the shortcuts. Right, yeah. Um, so, like, yes, this is a great movie. It's, like, I think it's damning with faint praise to call it a great comic book movie, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's it's never going to get into, like, the pantheon. Sure. Of, of, of movies like that. And I... You know what? That's actually kind of a Nolan-y thing about, like, I I think the Memento is awesome. I think Interstellar is awesome. I've only seen that once. I need to see it more. I've seen Memento, and every time I come out of these movies, I think, oh, man, I'm going to have to watch this like a dozen times to get everything out of it. And then yeah. after the second, especially the third time, I'm like, nope, I was wrong. This yeah, movie, we did that with Inception. This sure. this movie is a is a jigsaw puzzle. Once you get all the pieces in place, it's like okay, I never really want to put that puzzle together again. Right. As fundamentally, like, so I guess his movies are tricksy versus just like rich tapestries of things. Yeah, they're brilliant first experiences. Yeah, I mean, they're they're these intricate Fabergé eggs or ma- magic tricks. Once you see how the trick is done, it's yep. not as cool yep. anymore. Yep. And honestly, like seeing Penn and Teller do the same trick a hundred times, even if you don't know how it works. It's still, it's like, okay, I haven't figured it out, but, like, I'm I'm tired of seeing the lobster get disappeared out of a cage, you know, or whatever the, whatever the hell they've done. Sure. Um, so, ah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's... So Christopher Nolan is certainly one of the greatest working directors alive today. Yeah. But there is a... The, like, his style of movie does seem like it has a limited topside and shelf life. Like, this is a... Certainly a movie I want to see I want to see what my son thinks about all these movies, but it's not like you know we're going to watch that twenty thirty times over the course of our lives together. I mean, do you think there's room for him to tighten things up to maybe minimize some of these inconsistencies, these flaws, these holes? Well, I don't think they're inconsistent there's so much as like they're just they're literally tricks in the truest sense of the word, like right um can you tell us so the commissioner that Gordon tight? not being dead? Yeah, like that's a trick. That's a trick on the audience, you know. Yeah, and that's true. Th- a trick that they set up and that makes sense in retrospect. And it works but, well because for the longest time, the first time I watched that, I thought the driver with the face was going to be one of Joker's goons. Yeah, and when it turns out to be Commissioner Gordon, it's like fucking a right. But you're right; it is a trick. And on the second watch, it doesn't it doesn't hit as hard. It's it's not quite as good. Um, but. It still, I guess, makes sense in the the plot. Yeah. Well, as I said, something like the wire, the Godfather part, is that you're just seeing people that just life is happening to. Yeah. And there isn't really a trick to it. It's just like some person, you know, this guy's a little bit smarter than that guy this day. This guy's a little bit slower and behind the ball, and that's what happens, and that's life, and that's kind of its own version of chaos. Whereas, you know, Nolan is building this this very intricately designed and plotted thing. (laughs) It's intricately designed chaos. Yeah, no, that it's, is it his is. movie. Yeah, you're right. You're it right. Is. It's like it's like the chaos of a a video game explosion. Okay. Um, yep. you know, like or or like you see something blow up in CGI. It's like that. You know that some animator fucking spent a hundred hours making that explosion look like it wasn't planned for a hundred hours. <laughs> right. And I I think the world needs both types of movies, and I'm mm-hmm. like I hope he never stops making these. But I wonder if he could make. 
something with a little bit that runs more on heart and emotion and less cerebral. I don't know. But that's, again, I like, I don't, this movie doesn't not have a heart. No, for sure. Certainly has a beating savage Batman heart. I, I mean, it. you discussed it at the beginning, right? These characters are going through actual tribulations. Like, Batman, both of these characters are deeply flawed. Batman yeah. and uh, the Joker, both deeply flawed. By the end, Harvey Dent is also emotionally scarred, like, and physically scarred. But, I mean, losing Rachel was both a was for both of them a huge yeah. turning point. Yeah. Uh, and you know, luckily, Bruce Wayne, Batman, has Alfred there to kind of guide him down the path here uh, and help him out. Whereas Harvey Dent doesn't have anybody, uh, and except the Joker, mm-hmm. who is the worst mentor of all time. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I do think it has a heart and it's grounded and its characters feel very real. But you're right. There's something, some quality about it where it does feel almost like a magic trick. All right. So I don't have much else to say, but there's one other thing yeah. I want to talk, talk, talk about. Hmm. Who? So I think Bat, there's, there's, Batman is this triune force. There is the Batman, there's Bruce Wayne, and then there's the real person. Because the person who is Batman and Bruce Wayne is not Batman or Bruce Wayne. And I think that some of the best, like I like the the Batman animated series, always nailed that. Like when Bruce Wayne is out mm-hmm. and he's being Bruce Wayne, he's this very surface level and breezy right. and vapid and airhead. And when he's Batman, he's like menacing and tough. But there's always the moments like when he's alone in the Batcave with like Alfred, yeah, or he's talking to someone that knows who the real. And there's like this, or like uh, he's dealing with Talia uh, Al Ghul, and he's like this third. That's the real. If you peel away all the layers, that's the real person of him. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is the best? And I don't think there's ever been a Batman that's, that, that smashed all three of those ass, ass, uh, assets of his character, except for maybe Kevin Conway, who plays him in the animated series. Who yeah. do you think in, in, in the series, in all, in all the depictions of Batman you've seen, who's the best Batman, who's the best Bruce Wayne, and who's the best, like, the real character? So. Or do you even I, do you think I'm right about that trying right. force of Batman? Yeah, I do. I do think you're right. Um honestly, like Christian Bale brings such a pathos to the real character of Bruce Wayne, like okay. the real human being who's scarred by his parents' death and by all the crime he sees around him in the city. I, I think Christian Bale does the best job on that. Okay. He he feels like he is haunted by by his demons. I've heard people say that he's the best Bruce Wayne, but I don't know because I disagree. Was when he's yeah. uh, he always seems unconvincing. Like especially I was watching him when he was like cavorting with the Russian and like he's wearing a shirt and he's like all fucking scarred and bruised and again it's like how does no one <laughs> uh-huh. And I go he's got like all like in the first movie he's like oh yeah I go fucking paragliding and mm-hmm. I'm an extreme sports guy but like some of this is like he, he's just too much. Yeah, but I do think you're right. He nails like the wounded little boy who is the core of what Batman is the best. I yeah. don't think he's not a great Batman. He's a silly kind of Batman. He, right? Yeah, it's like he's it, almost too much. Yeah, he's way he could he could have come a lot back uh, a little a little bit. So so who do you think is the best Batman? Oh, the best Batman. Man, it's been a long time since I've seen the Keaton stuff. Long time. Well, I tell you what, he's not the best Batman. He's not. Michael fucking Keaton is not the best. He's a okay. decent. He's a decent cerebral, introverted Bruce Wayne, but he mm, never okay. did a great job at like. I, I can think of the times where he tried to play that Bruce Wayne, and he's pretty bad at. He it. He doesn't strike me as the playboy Bruce Wayne. No, um, no. But like I said, my memory on that is fuzzy. Uh, the playboy. I mean, it's easy to say George Clooney, 
right? Because he just has the look and the charisma and the demeanor for it. Like he never got to do that enough. Uh, but right, the movies he was in were shit. So I kind of want to say that he is the one. Like I said it before, I think he's the one that looks best in the cowl. But I think I yeah. think like if you. But he's not George the best Clooney Batman. in Ocean's Eleven is the best fucking Bruce Wayne. You're right. <laughs> right. But he never got to play that in Batman. You're right. He got so to play him. some silly, ridiculous Batman and Robin bullshit. And, 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 and I actually like Batman Forever a little bit because that was a kind of like in my mm-hmm. personal Batman heyday. That's Kilmer, right? But Kilmer yeah. was terrible across the board. Yeah, I don't think he was His great His Bruce Wayne was detached and, you know, cold and not a playboy yeah. at all. Yeah. Well, are you are you saying that that Ben Affleck is the best Batman? Is ben that what Affleck you're saying? Is, ben Affleck does well. Okay, Ben Affleck is pretty good in visually embodying like the Dark Knight Returns, um, and not in the movie, but like the actual comic book series, like the older grizzled Batman. He's he's thick. He he, is, he yeah. looks very like almost video game Batman. Yeah. Uh, he's somehow quick on his feet yet impossibly burly. Like he does uh, pretty good Batman. Yeah. And he does play a pretty good brooding Bruce Wayne and he's got that like easy breezy Boston Affleck that he can I, I it's a shame because I feel kinda like he's like the Prince Brosnan of double O seven. I'm sorry, it's a Pierce Bronson. You've gone <laughs> I probably fucked up both of his names. The Prince Bronson. If we ever <laughs> The Prince Bronze Man. He's the Prince Bronzeman of James Boone's, you know? You've taken mispronunciation to a new level. <laughs> Your face level. has turned to purple. Like, you've, you're about to burst I something. I can't believe it because... Uh, that you, made you so happy. You always call him Pierce Bronson, and I always make <laughs> fun of you for it, but you yeah. went full Prince. I did. I did. I did. We lost a legend. What can I say? It's my What homage. were you saying? I'm sorry. I, I couldn't I help think it. that Pierce Bronzeman, whatever the hell his <laughs> yeah. name is, uh-huh. I think he could have been the best... James Bond of all fucking time. You're right. But he you're happened right. to be the Goldeneye James, pretty good, but he happened to be the James Bo- the, the, the James Bond when James Bond stories kind of blue. Right. All right. right. Um I feel like the same way that Ben Affleck, he could have been an all-time great Batman, but he's been saddled with shitty Batman projects. Yeah, that Batman Superman. No mm, good. No good. I mean, maybe Justice League would be better, but I don't know. I don't know. I've we'll got see. no evidence. I mean, really adding Wonder more Woman. characters, taking away more focus from that movie is going right. to be a good thing. Right. Sure. Right. Um, but I, I guess I'm still, I guess I'm trying to say I'm still waiting to, for a great Bruce Wayne. Okay. Bring George Clooney back. Have him do it again, except this time give him a decent director and a decent script and decent co-hosts or He's co- a little too old. co-actors. I think his Batman days are behind him. Might be right. We need to breed him to a supermodel and get a son. If you were going to cast wait a, 20, new, 30 years and a new then, Batman. Jesus fucking Christ. I was not ready for that. Um, I mean, I don't know. Because, like, um, Hugh Jackman, even though he doesn't have the body, he's, like, way taller and, like, you know, uh, less hairy than the Wolverine is in the comic <laughs> book. He's fucking Wolverine. Right. Like, when he hangs up the claws, I've pit. Yeah. Same way as Robert Downey Jr. I pity the fuckers that have to take over their mantle. I don't, and in fact, it might destroy them the, those particular franchises. Yeah, like, I don't know if Marvel can survive the death of Robert Downey Jr. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I I don't know who's a, would be a great Batman. That's a really good question. I know. Who, do you do you have a no? Do you have I a suggestion? I, I really don't. Uh, if we ever do another Batman, I'll I'll spend more time thinking about it. But yeah, I, I'm trying to think of like who would play all as, uh, facets of that. Hard to do it, man. Hard yeah, to do it. it is. 
Like maybe you get Ben Affleck to put on the suit and you get George Clooney to play. <laughs> there you go. To, to, to play Bruce Wayne. Like, why not? Okay. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the whole point of Batman is you're supposed to, he's supposed to have a secret identity. So people shouldn't be able to make that distinction. Yep. They kind of got similar chins. <laughs> and, 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 and for whatever reason, they've aged up the Bruce Wayne and the Batman in the Batman versus Superman and and uh, Justice League universe. So I think George Clooney might be able to plausibly play that older, slightly seedy, past his prime Batman. What if you just give Batman the full mask instead of a cowl? Instead mm. of the half mask? Mm. Go full on Batman Beyond? Yeah, just mask the chin. Just, yeah, that's the other problem just, with old it's Bruce just Wayne. Lips, lips and eyes. That's the other thing about old Bruce Wayne is like he eventually <laughs> kind of freezes into a reclusive... Kind right. of, yeah, you he know, does. he doesn't become the he's no longer to be like the Batman of uh, the Batman versus Superman isn't really a billionaire playboy anymore. Yeah, once he gets his cane, yeah, it's all over. It's great. He go turns gray at the temples. He's like he's yep. not pretending for anybody. All right, uh, well, that's we got an improbably long podcast out of Batman. All right, uh, great movie. It I is. had a ball. It's like I think that's the key about enjoying these Batman movies. You got you, you got to take a few years between them, and it sucks because mm-hmm. I have like this Criterion collection blu-ray that i just packed away like two weeks ago in anticipation of my move and i couldn't i i was going to go and get it out of the box but like there some of them are in my garage and some mm. and like i just like no fuck it so i just got it off amazon but yeah. uh i know there's a ton of bonus materials that are really good yeah i bet that i wanted to bring into this but anyway uh i gotta say one last time thanks to hobbs cluster uh, Geeky, uh, Tony, Jorma, and Meat Plow for, again, all the good times and laughs we've had in, in, in Destiny. Uh, thank you again for your support of Bald Move. And, uh, you know, I'll try, you know, Destiny 2 comes out, I'll try to make another pitch at Jim. We'll see what happens. Um, that's all I got. We'll see okay. you on the next Mission Podcast.